Okay, buckle up. Yes, it's time for WVU Marketing Communications today. Live from West Virginia University. It's the only syndicated show that sits squarely at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and modern marketing practices. But today, well, they're going to lean a little bit out of the uh, science and a little bit into the art with your friend, Michael Lynch. Welcome, Michael. So I got to ask, congratulations. I understand you got a, a PhD recently here. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I received my PhD in hospitality management from Iowa State University. So that's just a, another um, credential that hopefully I'll be able to use to improve not only my podcast, but also my teaching at West Virginia University. And I got to ask, you have some uh, some heroic looking statue in the back there. What is that? Is that for uh... <laughs> that heroic looking statue is actually a statue that was given to me by the Reed School of Media at West Virginia University for being the Professor of the Year in the, the Data Marketing Communication wow, such area. So, no, it's, it's a very high honor, and I really appreciate it. Well, such a heroic-looking statue. I thought you, uh, you know, you uh, did some sort of massive service project, climbed a mountain, but it's even more impressive. You got the uh, Teacher of the Year here. No, it was, like I said, it was a very high honor, and uh, just really, it was something I was not expecting, but uh, beautiful statue, and that's why I display it prominently in my uh, my office here. Well, now that we've established your high credentials for this <laughs> conversation here today, I want to know, how does travel and tourism survive the coronavirus? You think we can tackle that today? Well, I'll tell you, we are incredibly lucky today to have Jama Jarrett, who is the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the Charleston Convention Visitors Bureau. She's been doing that for about 10 years. Before that, she was working for the governor of West Virginia as the Deputy Communications Director. I mean, I know I hear a lot about spokespeople and crisis management and crisis communication. And when I think about that, I always kind of visualize the Kevin Bacon character from Animal House, standing in the middle of the road, waving his arms, going, all is well, all is well. But you know that right now, not all is well. But we're going to get Jameis' help, and she's going to help explain to us not only some of the things that are important to crisis management communication, but how that affects particularly the Charleston Convention and Visitors Bureau. So, Jameis. Let's start out with what exactly is a Convention and Visitors Bureau, and how does that differ from, let's say, a DMO? I hear CVB, DMO, MOUSE. I mean, what are all, what are all those letters mean? First of all, thank you for the invite and having me on the show today. It's much appreciated, and as you mentioned, this is a very important and timely topic. A Convention and Visitors Bureau, or a CVB, as most of us in our world refer it to, um, is a tourism or destination marketing organization. The West Virginia Tourism Office, um, as an example, is a the DMO for the state. They market the state. For us, we are essentially the marketing arm for the city of Charleston and the area we represent. We heavily market to the leisure traveler. We are the resource for information for our restaurants, our businesses, the activities and facilities and the events in the area. But a large portion of what we do also is convention and sales marketing. We work hand-in-hand with our local partners to bring in larger conventions and meetings and events to the city, events like the U.S. Youth Soccer Tournament, the Marine Corps League's Annual Convention, the NJCAA Volleyball Championship. So in a nutshell, we are the local organization that people turn to for travel information and for meeting and conventions. 
That's wonderful. Something just pops into my mind. Do you think there are challenges or benefits or possibly challenges to being a part of the Convention and Visitors Bureau for the capital of a state or even maybe the major city in the state versus a smaller city or different city? I think one of the opportunities that we have is because we're the capital city of the state. Charleston is more recognizable versus a CVB maybe in a smaller town. One of the challenges for us overall is having that recognition beyond the state or beyond the region. We have found that we're more successful in selling the city and booking an event when we can actually bring in those meeting planners or get those people to visit here. So there's opportunities and there's challenges, but, you know, I think we do a pretty good job in being able to take advantage of and tackle both. Got it. Because we've had a long winter, I've gotten uh, pretty used to sheltering in place. But what is the Charleston Convention and Visitors Bureau response to this coronavirus outbreak? We actually have been working remotely since about mid-March. We transitioned pretty quickly from a physical workplace to a remote workplace. And I want to take an opportunity to give our CEO and our staff the credit because they transitioned without missing a beat. We went directly into what we wanted to do, which was we started shifting our activities from the normal promotion and marketing of our normal messages. And instead, we started looking at what our businesses and our partners were saying. Our local businesses have a substantial economic impact to our area, and we wanted to make sure that we were sharing what they were trying to say. We also knew that this is not the right time to do traditional marketing. We didn't want to be tone deaf, and we knew that no one was looking for information when traveling to the area. So what we did was use our resources, our website, our social media platforms, and started sharing pertinent information. We were sharing the governor's advice and guidelines. We were communicating what our city leadership was saying, what our tourism partners had to say, and what the businesses and the restaurants who were still trying to remain open and providing goods and services. Simply what we wanted to do was to make sure we were getting the most up-to-date information out there that we could. The biggest thing for us, other than transitioning physically from an office to our homes, was that we changed our messaging immediately. Soon after we started getting accustomed to that new way of operating, we actually started launching, or we launched a program that actually wasn't intended to be revealed until this summer called Team Charleston. The idea behind Team Charleston is, you know, we are all a team. We're all here to represent Charleston. So what we did was we tweaked the messaging and the ideas to coincide with the stay-at-home orders and begin pushing it out. What that entails, entailed and still does, we started sharing thoughts and ideas with people about things they could do at home, in their cars, in the outdoors, basically wherever it was socially responsible to do so. We started sharing, we found information about outdoor classrooms and free lessons for our parents and our teachers. Our bartenders and our restaurants got on board and gave us recipes for food dishes and cocktails. We encouraged local retail therapy online, of course. Um, And we even had our friends at Mountain Stage create a uh, Spotify playlist that includes West Virginia artists. So we've continued to work with our partners 
to continue this whole Team Charleston promotion. We're a small staff, so to have this participation and the support from our partners and our friends to put this initiative into motion is what really made it what it is today. Um, Our goal through this is to distantly connect people the best way we can through this challenging time. Some of our listeners may have never visited Charleston, but I will tell you that it is one of the most beautiful cities in the United States, if not the world. And you drive around, you come around the corner, and you see the beautiful Capitol building. And West Virginia as a whole, of course, has a lot of natural beauty, but I particularly appreciate the natural beauty around the Charleston area. A lot of people don't take into consideration or really think about the fact that the tourism industry is actually the largest industry and the largest employer in the world. And we are one of the few countries that does not have a quote-unquote ministry of tourism. Tourism has a great value to businesses and a large impact on local economy. Can you talk a little bit about how tourism really is a economic driver and how it's part of the economic development of a community? You're exactly right. Tourism is so much more than just attracting visitors and booking events. It drives broader economic growth in that it supports air service. It creates a familiar place. It attracts investments. It improves the overall quality of life for the residents within that community. For Charleston, tourism generates $565 million in annual spending. It supports 5,000 jobs and it garners $50 million in state and local taxes. I mean, that's, that's a huge impact, huge impact. And it also, we've also benefited from tourism and have seen great infrastructure growth. Since 2013, the city has realized more than $300 million in public and private tourism infrastructure improvements. If you're familiar with the Charleston area, we have a facility called the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center. It went through a $100 million renovation and expansion project over the past several years. It's going to make a huge impact on our city moving forward. The city was in need of a, a multi-sports complex. And with county leadership and city leadership and investments, we were able to put create an $18 million sports complex in the area. So it goes on and on. It's not just about the people coming here. There's a trickle effect that supports our local businesses. It stimulates development for our restaurants and our retailers, and it helps the overall livelihood of the city that we live in. So again, getting back to why we want to support our local businesses and partners during this time, they're the backbone of this community. They help create the sense of place for our residents and visitors alike. You know, we're going to need that familiarity and physical presence as we start to rebuild and market post-crisis. So we're doing all we now can do now to promote and support them because they and their customers and the people that we're bringing here, it's going to be vital to us to survive. I mentioned what I love about Charleston, which is the natural beauty. Just really quickly, just briefly, what is that you love about Charleston? What is that makes it so special to you? Well, it's funny, I'm actually sitting in my car, and the trees are in bloom. And it's kind of cheesy, maybe, but to be able to sit here and see life coming back into the city, given the circumstance that we're in, it provides hope. I think it's giving kind of renewed sense of we're all going to be okay. We're going to come out on the other side of this. And, and I think being in a small town, we're so close. 
we support each other and we're so resilient. We, we're working together to um, come out on the other side of this. I mean, it's going to be a long journey, but the fact that we have the partnerships and the relationships to work together to make this, to make the city of Charleston a desirable place once again is, I think, very special. I, I love the fact that we have the relationship, relationships that we have. Well, that's wonderful, James. I really appreciate it. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts, the dollars and cents, and exactly what the return on investment for a state or a community can be on infrastructure and things like convention centers. Perfect. West Virginia University's new digital marketing communications master's degree program, it's fully online and can be completed in one year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you the strategy and the skills to reach audiences on existing and emerging media like this. Learn more at Marketing Communications, all one word, marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. And for those of you who love going to West Virginia each year to their Integrate Conference at WVU, West Virginia University, there's good news. This year it's moved online. Don't have to make the trek all the way down there. You can get marketing communication to experts from a variety of industries exploring how and what to say during this unprecedented period. View the schedule and tune in to the live sessions at integrate.wvu.edu. That's integrate.wvu.edu. WVU for West Virginia University dot edu. Letters that can change your life from the man who knows. Teacher of the year at West Virginia University here. Uh, tell me the school again here because I know there's lots It's of the Reed School of Media and okay. it's the Department of Data Marketing Communication. You have the Integrated Marketing Communication Department and the Data Marketing Communication Department. And actually, there is another aspect of the Reed School of Media that's going to be growing pretty quickly also. So okay. um, that one is on its way. And I believe that's digital, but I, I don't don't hold me to that. You're but I think digital marketing all... communication is uh, the next thing that's uh, coming down the pipe. You're going to cover all the bases here on this show and others coming up. Well, maybe your guest, we can get her to be a guest speaker at the, uh, at the school there. Well, actually, Jama <laughs> is a graduate Aha. Of, the, of the IMC program at West Virginia University. So she knows pretty much all about it and uh, definitely has been around the program for a little while and been around, obviously, can I ask West her Virginia one quick, for a while. Can I ask her one quick question before you guys launch into it? And I, I know everybody's trying to put a happy face in this, but obviously travel and tourism is gonna, has taken a hit immediately here. How quickly do you think it's going to come back? After 9-11, there was some worry that we would ever go back to having events and, and getting together. And, of course, we did, and we do want to do that. But what do you think? Is it months? Is it years? Or what, what time frame are you guys projecting outwards before we get back to some sort of revised conference schedules again here and event schedules? To be honest with you, it's too soon to say. Um, we know it will rebound, and we'll, we'll see an uptick in travel and visitor spending. But right now, it's just people are still hesitant. People are still scared. Right. Um, you, I, I, I want to talk a little bit later about um, some of the research that we've seen and such. But, you know, people are starting to think about travel. Um, they're shifting the way they're thinking about travel. Um, but we're not going to see that happen overnight. It's going to take some time to get to 
post-coronavirus travel levels. And I'd be curious, you know, Michael's obviously spent his life in the hospitality industry, as have you, it sounds like. And, you know, will there be changes? Will we have mandatory sanitizer stations now as part of every conference? Will we have some sort of social distancing as we queue up? I don't know. Is this just, are we going to go back to the way things were? I don't know. My thought is, again, I have the luxury or the pleasure of traveling internationally. And when I do travel internationally, I very often see those things like sanitizer and washing stations and the ability to keep yourself healthy. That has not been so prominent in the United States over the last, I don't know, however many years, actually, if we go past you know, 20, 30 years or so. But I think it's an awareness. I think that, listen to a, a broadcast this morning that was talking about, even when, after all this is over, maybe the protocol of shaking hands is something that will go away and yeah, not be exactly. the first thing you do when you meet somebody. Or, you know, if, and maybe even the notion across the world of changing some of the ways that people are greeted, be it a kiss on both cheeks, be it a handshake, be it, you know, uh, whatever. So I don't think that, I think, obviously, you know, well, part of it is I am a huge sports fan. <laughs> so the notion of not being able to go to a baseball game, not being able to go to a football game, not being able to sit in a large crowd like that is a very disappointing sort of thing to me. I think a lot of people share that. And I think once we get past this highly infectious um, disease, um, it's going to, the social distancing is going to go away, but I think the awareness is not going to go away. It's like anything else. When something like this happens, you try to get back to what you consider to be your normal as quickly as possible, but you get back to that normal with the awareness of what happened, the awareness of, you mentioned 9-11 before. You try to get your life back to normal as much as you can, but you do have that look in the corner of your eye as to somebody who might be acting suspiciously or actually I'll give you a perfect example. I live in Chicago and before 9-11 there were not the signs all over that said if you see something say something. Right. Um, now there is. We didn't have to take our shoes off when we got on a plane before. Uh, you oh know, Lord. All those kinds I rem- of things. <laughs> I remember the days when you just drove up to the front of the the airport, walked through the door and onto the plane. Yeah, exactly. And everybody walked up to the gate with you and waved at you as you walked up the runway Absolutely. and all that kind of stuff. And so, they really didn't even check for guns or anything else. There are yeah. people that you know you load it you know, you get an airplane with a gun in your pocket and Unimagined. then we had a lot of these people hijacking airplanes to Havana and that sort of thing. So they started checking, you know, they started, you know, putting up metal detectors little by little. So what is your guess see at the Charleston Convention Center? Are you going to do more online check-in, for example, less where people have to touch something? People are talking about automatic, I don't want to hand you my credit card, I want to swipe my credit card, or I want to do it electronically so it conveys the information. Anything that reduces the number of times I'm coming in contact with somebody. What do you think? I know our partners, like our hoteliers and the retailers and the Coliseum, they're starting to have those discussions. How do we make it safer for that traveler? In the research that we've been looking at, just like Wi-Fi was in high demand about a decade ago, people are now going to want those hand sanitizing stations. They're going to want to know how the facility has been cleaned. I mean, you're right. There's going to be a shift in thinking and what people want again we're not we're not going to have a normal what we're used to kind of 
travel experience anymore. And, and it's going to be the responsibility of the DMOs, the CVBs, the hotels, and, and everyone who has who plays a part to make sure that we're aware of what the traveler wants and that we accommodate that. Because if they don't feel safe, they're not going to come visit. Exactly. Well, yeah, I think we have a secondary layer here. Not only do we have the personal safety issue that was really brought to our, our you know, front of our minds versus events like 9-11, but now the health safety issue also. But kind of expanding on that, uh, Jamie, what do you think the future of travel and tourism is going to really look like? And what do you think people are going to expect, not only from the return on investment of building facilities, but also in general when one comes to a city? What, the things, what do you think they're going to expect out of a uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau? Well, I think from a convention side, people are still going to want to meet. Again, it's not going to be immediate, but there's still that desire for human interaction. The good news for us is that we're more of a we're more of a smaller town. We attract the regional meetings and events. Instead of a national convention being held in Nashville, Orlando, the organization may look to us the schedule here instead, you know, because we're also a secluded, more rural area and state. And geographically, we're located within a day's drive of the majority of the population, and we're affordable. So again, the objective for us as a DMO is to make sure that we're communicating all these points, that we're safe, that we're healthier, that we are putting protocols into place to make sure that things are clean, that people have the ability to access the hand sanitizing stations. Are we going to put temperature checks in place? Travelers are looking for destinations that have recognized this crisis and, and that are taking a ongoing approach to making sure that we're keeping everyone safe and healthy. I think that's a really interesting point. I'll let you guys wrap up here because we've got to go to the next show, but I never thought of that. Traditionally, conventions have always gravitated towards Chicago, L.A., New York, Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. huge markets because there's a lot to do then. There's a lot of people, and that's the excitement. Now we may not want to go to those big crowded places, crowded airports, crowded cities. We may want to go to something where there is physically more space. It's easier to get in and out of, and that may be the the next tier markets like Charleston. I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Jamie, I really appreciate you joining us today. I think that our topic today is is very timely, very important. And, you know, I am I am a witness. I believe Charleston is one of the most beautiful, most friendly towns in all of America. And again, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you.